This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Knowledge at Wharton, and you're listening to Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We hear a lot about switching jobs, but what about switching careers? Some people at times may be uh, in the wrong job or profession, so what can they do about it? In many cases, those people may end up going a different path and following a passion, going into a position or career that is something that they truly love. Dr. Don Graham, host of Career Talk here on Sirius XM 111 every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern time with replays of the show throughout the week, joins us in studio. She's also Director of Career Advancement for the Wharton MBA program here in Philadelphia, as well as a career coach and psychologist. She takes a deeper look into this topic with her new book called Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. Hi there. Hey, Dan. How are you? I'm great. As always, when we have you on, it's great great having you here. And you're in the other chair today, And right? I'm in the other chair today, yes. Exactly. So I have, I have the view. Uh, how pre- prevalent is the career switch these mm-hmm. days? Because obviously people will switch jobs, staying in kind of the same genre. But the career switch, how new, how unique is it? So it's getting to be much more of the norm versus right. staying. So you probably have, have seen the statistics out there about people staying in jobs about 4.2 years. So you're no longer retiring from, from the company and getting the gold watch. And we know this. Um, and it's an interesting shift because at one point, job hopping was really frowned upon. And you know certainly if you're only in a job a year, five or six times, that's still going to be frowned upon. But interestingly, now the bias has kind of swung to the other side. If you're in a job for, for eight to 10 years, companies start to wonder if you're very agile. (laughs) So you kind of have the other problem. But what we know is when you look at the data about satisfaction in work, most people, um, I think the stats have gone up to 80% are not satisfied in their jobs. And the number one thing that tends to make people satisfied is their interest in work. And we get on a ladder when we get maybe out of school and we stay on this ladder and we move up until we realize we're 15 years in and this isn't what we want to do anymore. But we have all these skills and now we want to do something completely different. But how do you do it? Here, here at Wharton, we have about uh, 225 students in the executive program come in every year. And more than half want to switch careers. Hmm. And the, wow. um, the GMAC, the council that looks at MBAs, recently put out a statistic that says 64% of people return to school to get their MBAs with the intention of switching careers. Oh, wow. And that number has been steadily increasing. So I think the time is ripe for a book like this. What is it then that is driving, you think, the, these people to want to just just make, I, I mean, I think obviously not being happy in that particular job obviously is a big part of this, but Part of it also has to be just that personal drive, that want to have something fresh, to go down a different path, correct? I think because we can now. I mean, you, you've you heard the gig economy and portfolio careers and side hustles. And you know the world is so much more connected now with everybody on social media and the Internet. And you start seeing your, your former colleagues or your friends doing really cool things. And you start to say, hey, I could do that, too. Yeah. So there's so much more opportunity that we no longer have to settle. You know, we're much more mobile now. People right. work from home. So your opportunities are no longer just in your backyard. I mean, you can really work from anywhere. So people see this and they say, hey, I want some of that. So what are the things then for those people that maybe aren't here at the Wharton MBA program, the things that they need to consider if 
they're having some of these feelings and they're thinking, you know what, maybe I should consider a switch. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Dan, because that question comes up. Is this is your book based on Wharton MBAs? Because obviously that's a very specific population. And I've been in career management for 20 years yeah. and I've, I've written most of this book before I even came to Wharton. So the examples and a lot of the, the theories and the strategies in there are based on my clients from, from prior to this. So then this is people from all age ranges, all backgrounds, all levels. And that's what this book is for. This book is, is not for the person who goes back and gets their MBA and, and switches jobs. As a matter of fact, one of the, the things in the book is asking the question, do you even need to go back to school? Because right. one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is their first step when they decide, I'm not happy what I'm doing is to say, I'm going to go back and get a graduate degree. And that's going to lead me to figure out what I want to do. And it's going to lead me to to this big change. But what you don't realize is that you still have that difficult job search on the end of those two years sure, and that yeah. degree. So now you've invested all this money and all this time and you weren't even sure if this is going to get you where you want to go. And unfortunately, unless the program you're going to, it's very applied or has internships or has ways for you to get real life experience. Uh, an advanced degree might not open the doors that you think it will. Yeah. So that's a challenge. What you talk about in the book, a, a, a clarifying plan A. When people think about plan whatever, it's usually making sure you have a plan B right. as, as a backup plan. <laughs> this seemingly is a little bit different with a plan A. Yeah, I have a secret. The actual first title of the book, Dan, was Forget Plan B. Now, when there I put go. this out yeah. to the market, they had some some concerns because that can mean a lot of things. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, but <laughs> so now it's switchers, and you know that can have multiple meanings. Who knows? But the reason I thought that concept and was so central to the book enough to be the title was because. Having a plan A and going all in is critical to switching careers. Right. It is critical. And the reason – there's a number of reasons, um, and I'll just – I'll talk about a few, but the book goes into this. I mean, first off, if you're not confident that you can make this switch, why should anyone else be confident? Why should a hiring manager or someone in your network take a chance on you if, if yeah. you're saying, but I have a plan B? I mean, wh whoa. <laughs> um, you know, another reason is – Research actually done right here at Wharton by, by some of our faculty shows that once you have a plan B, it doesn't matter what it is, you tend to fall back on it. I mean, huh. you're not as motivated. And so, you know, what I recommend in the book, because I know that it's scary. It's scary to go all in on something that, you know, is new to you and different. But what I recommend is really mapping out that plan A and in part defining all the pieces so you know that this is what you want to do, which yeah. is why I say don't make school the first step. School may be a step, but it shouldn't be the first one. And then really going all in. So one, your your network and hiring managers are confident in you. And yeah. you two, you don't fall back on your plan B and you do everything in your power to get to your dream. Because if you don't go all in, then you'll never know if you can get there. And unfortunately, what I find is so many people don't make a change, not because they weren't capable of doing the work mm -hmm. in the new job, but because the hiring practices today are not designed for them to get hired. And so they give up because they keep getting rejected. And that's what this book is really about. And the plan A is the kickoff to a step-by-step -step strategy right. to create a way to get past the hiring biases that exist. Because let's face it, the hiring practices are getting more automated yeah. and 
they are catering towards the traditional candidate. So, I mean, an applicant tracking system is looking for keywords and key titles and asking you questions like, do you have five years of data analytics? And, <laughs> and you know, switchers don't. They don't have those things. And that doesn't mean they're not capable. Yeah. But if you're applying online and, and going through these kind of standard motions, you're, you're not getting to where you want to be. So what does that mean then for the, the, the job market out there? Because seemingly... And we did this statistic a while ago that we now this past report for jobs, we have more people searching for jobs than we do have jobs open at this mm-hmm. point. And we're at that dynamic right now, seemingly, where you have a lot of people that are still wanting to kind of find that right job right now. Right. And if you think about it, you know, as a hiring manager, I, I did recruiting for a number of years, Dan. And you know, what I know is that you, there, you want to get as many candidates as you can so you can find the right one. But I think, um, you know, when you put out a job ad and you get 250, which is pretty standard for an online job, you know, now the game becomes about elimination, not selection. I think it, the sure. book covers yeah. a lot of I'm, I'm a psychologist as well. And the book covers a lot of the psychology of the job search, because what I wanted readers to understand is what's happening on the other side of the desk and the psychology of the hiring manager. And, you know, when you get 250 resumes, you're now talking about elimination, not selection. I yeah. got to get rid of most of these so that I can get to the one or two candidates that I'm actually going to consider. And so when when you're in that first pool, it's all about looking for red flags. Do you have gaps on your resume? Are you you know a switcher? Yeah, yeah. you're a switcher. You don't have the right keywords. I'm going to kind of push you out. So the whole idea is to get beyond that and get in with a referral. Because I'll tell you, hiring managers, that's not their main job, hiring. They don't want to spend any more time in in the hiring (laughs) process than you do. They want to get it done, get a good candidate, and move on. You talk in the book about creating ambassadors. Yes. And obviously networking is something that has kind of been the tradition within the work setting for decade upon decade. But you're focusing more on these ambassadors as being a, a, a key ingredient. Yes. And I know every job search book out there talks about networking. So just a little bit about how it's different in switchers is I'm an introvert. I know you know that, Dan. And I. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very much. Yeah, I know you don't believe me, but it's true. Um, And, you know, I'm not a natural networker. But what I know is what I've learned through the research I've done as well as, um, you know, my experience as a recruiter and a job seeker is that this is where the opportunities come from, whether you're a traditional candidate or a switcher. And it's not enough to know people. What you have to do is create ambassadors. And what I mean by creating ambassadors is there's so many jobs available every day. And when you have an ambassador who knows what you're looking for, so your plan A, and knows the value you add to companies, Mm -hmm. they can be out there. Uh, both advocating for you as well as bringing opportunities back to you. And here's a simple thing that I say. it's it, Everybody has a network. You don't have to go out there and create it. You actually have it. And the book talks about this. But think about the people who are closest to you. So, you know, maybe maybe your roommate or your, your parent or your cousin or your neighbor. People who you talk to every day, can they, here's the test, can they in one or two sentences say what you do on a day-to-day basis in a way that shows your value. Now, most can't. Most can say, oh, you work at Wharton or, oh, you, you, you know, are project manager, but they don't know what you do. Yeah. And I think we miss a huge opportunity in networking when the people who care about us and love us and want to see us succeed can't verbalize in one to two sentences what we do so they can be out there looking for opportunities for yeah. us. 
Sometimes the people yeah. we know have the best contacts. I say to people, you know, your dentist, your people like <laughs> have, you know, they have people rotating through their chair all the time. Sure, yeah. You don't know who their spouse is. You don't know who your neighbor's cousin is. They may work at the companies you want, but if you can v- do this one thing, if you could just verbalize very clearly your value, you can create an ambassador who's out there and the opportunities will be endless. So then it is the idea of of branding yourself, personal branding, is that something that how much value does that really have? I mean, you hear that talked about a lot right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say I know, and there's mixed reviews on this, but I mean, companies live by brands because brands build sure. trust. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why people pay more for Tylenol versus generic because of that trust. And, you know, the psychology of the job search is that regardless of how much data a company collects on you, and now companies are loving this, they collect all this data and you do assessments and you do all this. But the research shows that humans are incapable of making a decision with without emotions. And they've done research on this where they, they damage the brain of, of people in this specific area. They can't make a, a decision. So emotions are playing into the decision making. And I think this is important and why you need a brand. Because we all come to the table with a variety of, of skills and qualities and you know things about us that are great accomplishments. But if you don't create a solid plan A, know your market and know what's most important to your market, mm-hmm. you're going to perhaps put forward achievements that they don't care about. And a really easy example from, um, you know, let's just say you're buying a car and you're a young family and you have kids, you know, and, and the salesperson's talking to you about the killer sound system and the, the need for speed. Sure, and yeah. you're saying, well, no, but you know, you want to be highlighting the safety features and, and, sure. you know, those types of things. And the, all of those things may exist in the same vehicle, but you need to know your customer so that you can market to it. And and when you start marketing the safety enhancements, that young family is going to buy the car. And that's what brand is really about. And that's what we, what I really teach people to understand and create for themselves in Switchers so that their new audience can see them as a fit. Dr. Don Graham joining us here in studio. You know her as a host of Career Talk here on Sirius XM 111 every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern time. Replays throughout the week. She's also the author of the book Switchers, How how smart professionals change career and seize success. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. A couple of interesting pieces that you have in the book. One is a chapter that you have in here, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. And then in parenthesis, <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> Tell us more. So it's not fair. I I mean, and you, anybody who's been in a job search will tell you it's not fair. I've been ghosted. It's not fair. I have to do this one way video bio and I look like a moron trying to coordinate. It's not fair. It's not fair that the younger person got the job. It's not fair that the older person got the job. It's not fair that the person with, with less tenure got the job. The, this is fraught. The job search careers are fraught with it's not fair. And what, why I put this chapter out there is because you're going to encounter this switcher or traditional job seeker. You're going to encounter a lot of things that you perceive as not fair. And what I want people to do is there's some things you can change and other things you can't. I don't want people wasting their precious energy and resources on the things you can't change. Right. So I go through and I talk about a few things that, you know, things you can do and then things that 
just are the way they are. And you've got to play the game. Sometimes you've just got to play the game. And I want people to understand that if you're fighting fairness, if you're looking to fight to make something, you know, change a process, you're using your, your resources in the wrong direction. The other thing I would say is the fact that it's not fair, Dan, means that you as a switcher have much more of an opportunity. Because guess sure. what? When you, as somebody with a non-traditional background, get hired for this great job, other people are going to say, well, heck, that's not fair. So it's, it's again, it goes back to the psychology of the job search and really understanding it from both sides yeah. so that you as a switcher can create a strategy that's going to work for you. And probably, I, I would guess, not enough people think about it from both sides. They, they are so focused about themselves and they're so focused about getting the job that they don't even consider what the other person is thinking, the mm-hmm. HR person, whoever they're talking to about the position. And the insight that they could gain from that could probably make the process 10 times easier over the course of their careers. Yep. And and that's exactly why I switched from being a recruiter to a career coach, because I wanted to give my clients the insight about what's happening on the other side of the desk, things they, they couldn't even you know fathom yeah. in the hiring process because I felt like this gives people an advantage when you know what's happening um, in terms of tactics and strategies but also in the mind of the hirer so so the bias that comes through we're human we're biased it's just the way it is yeah. um, you know loss aversion it's a concept I talk about in the book and loss aversion is the tendency to wait things that you lose heavier than things that you gain. So so if you if you go out and you find twenty dollars on Locust Walk, you're gonna be like, woohoo and you know, maybe for five minutes you're gonna be excited and then but if you lose twenty dollars that you know you had in your pocket, <laughs> you're gonna still be complaining to me about that next week. Yeah. Where's that twenty dollars? And so, you know, this idea that that these these losses stay with us means that a hiring manager is really even unconsciously using these things when they hire. They don't wanna make a mistake because it costs money, it costs resources, perhaps their reputation. So a lot of times a hiring manager would rather go with a safer candidate, even if they aren't as stellar, Hmm. versus rolling the dice on something that's an unknown. So you as a switcher need to have a concrete strategy so that you show that hiring manager you're a fit and not a risk. So then realistically, then from the hiring side, how much has has realistically changed? I mean, some of the things you just laid out are, are things probably that have been in place yep. for decade upon decade and seemingly haven't changed while many things kind of around the workplace have continued to evolve. Yes. So the fact is that and, you know, hiring managers have a day job and it's not hiring. So unfortunately, very few are trained on the interview process and things to look out for. You know, maybe they hire two or three people a year. They're not really sure what to do or how to do it, but they think they do, and as we all do. Um, You know, so you're dealing with this bias that they might not even know they have. I mean, one of the most common things is we we tend to hire people like us because they like we're we're good. We must be good. We don't even know it's happening. But what has changed, Dan, is to get in front of human eyes. That's the part that's changed a lot, which is all of this automation and online application and LinkedIn searches, because the challenge switchers have is they're not even able to get in front of the hiring manager. Yes, when you get in front of the hiring manager, you have to have a solid um, interview. And I I teach people how to do that. But it's getting to that point that I think most switchers will say, I can't even get an interview because I'm getting weeded out by these applicant tracking systems or, you know, I'm not being found on LinkedIn. So I want to teach people how to how to get to that point so they can have the chance to interview and then interview well. So then what is the, the the, the big key to success of, of making that jump from just getting from, okay, 
my application is in to actually getting in front of somebody. Mm-hmm. So first off, not applying online. That would be that would be the first strategy. I mean, you've, you've heard these stats about 75% of jobs are not even advertised. And you know those are true for a number of reasons. Because if you think about when you hire, first thing you're going to do if you have an open job is say, who do I know? Or who do my friends know? Because yeah. you want somebody reliable. You want somebody, again, you can trust, which sure. goes back to brand. And if they don't have anybody, you might you know throw it out to the organization and, and you know, Anybody internally want to move? There's no one there. You might throw it out on your your company website so that it attracts people who are at least interested in your company. That doesn't work. It might get out there on one of the big job boards. Yeah. Now think about what types of jobs are getting out there. And I'm not going to say they're all bad, but way down the <laughs> way down the barrel, right yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, think about how many steps they've they've gone through to get there. Now, if if I have a, as a hiring manager don't have to go through all of that nonsense, if you refer someone to me and they okay, they don't have the traditional background, but you tell me they're reliable, they're, you know, they've got this, they've got that. I'm going to interview that person. Yeah. And so it's about getting the referral. And I know that, um, again, this goes back to networking and people cringe when they hear that word, as yeah. do I, even though I, I talk about it all the time. But the book really teaches you to use the contacts you already have to get those referrals because jobs, I mean, you know, today, something like 300,000 jobs will open just today. It's like, who are getting those jobs? Who knows about those jobs? If you can make sure you have ambassadors out there listening, you're going to get those jobs. You spend uh, a little time on a chapter called Always Sleep On It. Yes. <laughs> give us a, give us a synopsis of, uh, of that and and what that really means to the whole process. So always sleep on it is my chapter about negotiating salary. And I think, you know, there's a lot of great books out there on negotiating and even negotiating compensation in particular. But one of the things that when you're a switcher, I think you go into the negotiating process. If, if you get the job, you, you think, well, I was lucky enough just to get this job. Yeah. So I want to make sure that switchers go into this realizing that, hey, if you were offered this job, they believe in you. They believe you can do this. And even if you're you're thinking, wow, this is all new to me, I can almost guarantee you six months in, you're going to say, I don't know what I was worried about. So I want to make sure switchers go in and negotiate just like they would for any other role. Yeah. They know their value and they can put it forward. And so that's what that chapter is about. You're going to be, especially if you're a switcher who's been rejected and you finally get this offer in the, the job you've always wanted, you're going to be so tempted to just say yes on the spot. But what I would say is, you know, thank them. Be be excited. I'm really excited about this opportunity. When do you need my answer? And, yeah. and take a day or two. And the, even if it's not base salary, which I think should always be the first thing you negotiate, could be extra vacation. It could be working a day from home. There's always something that can be negotiated that can make your life better. Great job. Thank you very much for coming Thank you. in. Thanks for having me, the, Dan. The book is Switchers. Uh, Dawn Marie Graham is the uh, author of the book. Uh, and again, she is here on Sirius XM uh, 111 every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern time as the host of Career Talk. Great having her in the studio. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much, Dan. You got it. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 